listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I'm going to deal with, and I came straight on because I got I got seven different things to talk about today, but we're going to deal with uh, seven uh, life-changing proverbs that you cannot ignore um, in your life. You absolutely cannot ignore these. And of course, you're, you're not going to ever want to ignore the Word of God in any way, but... I feel like as I was reading through the book of Proverbs, these three jumped out at me, leapt out at me. And it was like, you feel almost like there are so many things that are a common issue to people that when you travel, especially when you talk to so many people, you can recognize it's like there's a common thread a lot of times that keep, keeps people, um, in a place of frustration, whether it be bondage uh, addiction, whatever it might be, but you could see, man, if they would just do these one thing, this one thing, or these few things, it would like, those things would be eliminated, alleviated from their life. And, um, as I was reading through the book of Proverbs, these seven Proverbs literally jumped out, uh, at my spirit. I began to make notes about it, but we're going to be dealing with that today. Seven life-changing Proverbs. I believe when you apply these, you'll have instant, and, I, and I'm not joking when I say that, you'll begin to have instant changes in your life. Instant changes. doesn't take God forever to move um, when you're obeying his instructions. And so I'm just telling you right now, uh, mark these down as we go through them today. And, and I'll ask you, you know, get introspective as we're doing this broadcast. You know, don't be one of those people that's like, oh yeah, I'm good. I, you know, ask, ask yourself, you know, are there things that I need to change? Are there things that I need to do? uh, to, to get to that place where I'm seeing a greater level of victory or success in my calling, my purpose. Don't, don't be that person that you, everybody sees that person, you know, I'm good. You know, I don't need anything. Be introspective. Are there things that I need to change? You know, one of the things that, um, I've dealt with it on the broadcast before. I think it was Spurgeon that said this and you've heard me reference it. I've got to, I got to look up the, I got to look up the quote, but He was talking about getting people saved, but he was saying that before you can get them saved, you've got to get them lost. And the reason he said that is because there are so many people that think they're good. You know, I don't need to change. I don't need anything. You know, my my life is good. I got everything I need. You know, I don't, and they don't see that they need Jesus. They don't see that they need a savior. And, um, he said, before you can get them saved, you got to get them lost. One of the reasons we stay introspective so that we never get to a place of pride where we're like, no, I'm good. I don't need anything. We don't ever want to be there. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So we don't ever want to get to that place, but uh, we want to stay uh, introspective about our own life and humble, meek. Lord, if I need to change, let me know. If there's things I need to alter so that I can be more pleasing to you, let me know, whatever it might be. And so these, these may leap out at you today, just like they did for me. And, uh, as we go through all, th- all seven of these Proverbs, I encourage you to write it down, highlight it, make notes on it, and then examine yourself. You know, the Bible says, if you'll judge yourself, then you'll not be judged. It's a great thought. 
if you will judge yourself, then you'll not be judged. And so that's what we want. We don't want to wait. Let me give you a good, uh, let me give you a good example of that, by the way. What does it mean that if you judge yourself, good morning, Bethany, that you'll not be judged? Well, at some point in your life, you begin to realize, have you ever seen somebody that really um, started to have health issues? And so their doctor, they went into the doctor and their doctor like did a full, you know, they did blood work, checkup, whatever. And their doctor finally tells them, yeah, you do have these health issues, but we're going to have to do some work here. We're going to have to change your diet and whatever. They could put them on a new diet. I just went and visited uh, somebody in the hospital this week here in the, uh, in the revival. And while I was there with the pastor visiting with them, their doctor brought them in their new diet that was given to them by the hospital. And after the um, procedures they'd had done, they had to switch, completely switch their diet uh, until the doctor said they could come off of that diet. And um, so you've seen that many times. Well, it, it was those things, those improper uh, things within the diet that caused the problem they're in. Uh, and you, you know, that's like one of the biggest things that we battle in America. You know, I've mentioned it on here, metabolic syndrome, all these different things. But isn't it interesting that there are people that have to wait until they're judged by somebody else to make the changes? For example, that's a form of judgment. It's, it's a pronouncement from the doctor. Uh, if we're going to correct and see, they're the ones correcting your problem. They're the ones that are correcting you. And they're saying, no, the reason you're in this predicament is because this, 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 and this is wrong in your diet. So what are they doing? They're correcting you. But if we took the, uh, the steps to be proactive before there was ever a problem and we can, uh, we can understand what's good for us, what's not good for us, if we would correct ourselves, right, then we wouldn't have to be corrected. And, and this is the same principle here. Why do I, why would I wait for a doctor to tell me, uh, that, you, you know, you, you, I have to correct, you know, I have to correct your diet. I have to correct your lifestyle because you're in a place of danger physically. Why wait for, to be corrected by someone else when I could just correct myself right now. And if I would correct myself right now, I wouldn't have to be corrected in the future. So judge yourself and you'll not be judged. You see? And so that's, that's truly the key. And that's what this, uh, this scripture that we're talking about is in reference to. If we will judge ourselves, then we'll not be judged. If we will judge ourselves, we'll not be judged. And that's so important, so powerful. This is where humility and meekness truly come into your life. Because what is the thing that keeps people from judging themselves? Let's, that, that's the first question. What keeps people from judging themselves? Pride. It's pride and arrogance that says, I'm so perfect that nothing I do needs to change. You ever met those people that like, and by the way, if you're just jumping on, share the broadcast, get the word out today. This is a very important message today. Morning, Jennifer. Hey, Kathy, Janine. Do you ever know any people that like, um, it's like every time you talk to them, everybody has a problem with them. And you start to think to yourself, like if literally everyone around you has an issue with you, you're probably the issue. <laughs> I mean, you, you ever think about that? You, you know, people like that. It's like every time you talk to them, 
There's my friend, friend Ben. I haven't seen you in a long time, man. I love you. Um, yeah, every time you talk to him, it's like uh, everyone's got an issue with him. You, you ever just sit back and think, well, if everyone's got an issue with me, maybe I'm the issue. <laughs> and I've seen that. I'm sure you have too. It's like, uh, I don't think they have an issue. I think you have an issue. And that's the thing because you, you think to yourself, okay, well, every, if, if you keep saying that everyone else around you needs to change, uh, might be you that needs to change. <laughs> might be you that needs to change. So, yeah, it's like Uchenna said, it, it, it's like in this scenario, you are the common denominator. It's exactly right. And what keeps people from recognizing that is pride or arrogance. So if we will keep ourselves in a place of um, humility and meekness, we can continue to judge ourselves. We can continue to correct ourselves and keep ourselves in a place that's pleasing to God. That's what we're doing with these seven today. So we're going to cover these seven life-changing Proverbs that cannot be ignored by any, any means. Um, hey, Liz, good to see you, Clarabelle. Good to have you on, Veronica. And so let's look at these. I'm going to give you seven. I want you to put the Proverbs in the comments. I want you to write them down. I want you to make notes today. It's Breakthrough Friday. We're making notes, and I'm going to pray the prayer of faith for everybody at the end. There are people that have prayer requests. Uh, tonight is our final night of revival here at Peckville. It's just, it's going to be a powerful day. If you can get here, you need to be here tonight because we're going to have a powerful service. Uh, it's going to be an anointing and impartation service. We're baptizing people tonight. It's just going to be a powerful day. So uh, make these notes, get this into your spirit. We're going to start, this is number one, with Proverbs 4, 23. So if you're taking notes, the first life-changing proverb that cannot be ignored is Proverbs 4, 23. And so we're going to deal with that first. Uh, and I may read a few verses before it. I'm going to read Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. And that's going to be the first one that we look at today. Let me read it to you. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Now here's the proverb, Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart, or one translation, guard your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. And so everything in your life flows out of your heart. Everything in your life flows out of your heart. If you don't guard it, you see, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, you see? So there is a, this is the reason I started with this one, by the way, is because I feel like it is the foundational principle in Proverbs you know, when the, when the Bible says above all else, guard your heart with all vigilance, you know, with all vigilance, that means that you're to work as hard at this as you would at anything as hard at this, at what guarding your heart, because out of your heart flows the issues of life. You know, one of the things that, um, you got to keep in mind is what you fill yourself with is what you'll become what you fill yourself with is what will actually begin to manifest in your life. The reason that the writer of Proverbs is so strongly uh, encouraging us to guard our hearts 
is because literally the manifestations of our lives will come out of what's in our heart. Let me give you a, um, let me give you a, uh, an example of that. If you grew up in a household where you were constantly berated, where you were constantly, uh, um, verbally abused, told you were stupid, told you were nothing, all those things, guess what's going to happen? That thought process is going to get in your heart. That thought process is then going to become your identity. And then that thought process is going to govern everything in your life. How do I mean? Well, you start to believe the thing that's been constantly spoken into your heart. You identify with it. So if, if somebody's just constantly told you you're an idiot, everything you do is wrong. You know, you can never, you've never done anything right. You can't do anything right. You're a screw up. If that's what you've constantly had spoken into your heart so much so that you've identified with it and believe it, then now it defines your life and you're timid to step out and do things because you've got this thought, well, I'm a screw up and everything I do is wrong and I only fail. And, and what happens? It becomes the abundance of your heart. And then guess what happens? It becomes your meditation. It becomes the source from which your words flow because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks and all these different things. It all starts to manifest. And then sadly, for many people, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because it's what they've been told for so long is what they meditate on. It's what they believe to be true. It's what they think about. It's what they say. It's what they expect from life. So, you know, if you believe you're nothing, you'll let people treat you like you're nothing. That's how it works. If you believe you're nothing, you will let people treat you like you're nothing. Guess what else? You'll have an expectation to have what a nothing would have, what a failure would have. You never expect good things. You never expect the blessings of God. Well, how could a nothing expect to be blessed by God? And you see how slick this is? Because all of the things, all of the things that manifest in your life are now flowing out of your heart. That's your meditation. It's your words. It's your expectation. It's how you treat others. It's how you approach God. You know why the devil wants to make you feel like you're worthless and like you're a, um, a failure and all these other things? So you don't boldly approach the throne of grace. That's what Hebrews 4 said. Let us boldly approach the throne of grace. One translation. Let us with confidence approach the throne of grace. The devil knows that. That's how God wants us to approach. So what does he do? He fights to make sure that you don't have the boldness to approach the throne. He wants us to believe that. And so when we look at this verse, it makes so much more sense that the, pro the writer of Proverbs is so strongly encouraging us with vigilance, guard your heart. You should be ferocious about this. You should be so serious about this that you do not allow anything to enter into your heart that does not align with your purpose. You know, I know there's people that like enjoy horror movies and things like that. They enjoy watching, you know, uh, I, you know, and, and they, they, they love the entertainment of it. They love the thrill or whatever it is. I don't watch it, especially because a lot of times there's a demonic element to it, but I don't watch them because if the whole point <laughs> Think about this. If Paul said that 
the kingdom of God, Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not what we eat or what we drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. If the kingdom of God is peace, why would I ever continue to fill myself with things that steal peace? That's why I don't watch the news. I don't, I don't care to hear the majority of the stuff that's being thrown at our uh, population, when you, especially when you realize that the, it's pretty much all contrived. It's a narrative that they want the population to believe. That's why I don't watch it. I don't, I don't care to. I'd rather be ignorant of some current events for a little while than I would to just constantly have that stream or that flow in my house. Don't care for it. I don't watch demonic things. I don't watch horror movies. I don't watch that stuff. I don't watch demonic shows on Netflix and stuff. I don't watch it. Why? I don't want that in my heart. What else? Um, well, the Bible says also the kingdom of God is joy. And so am I going to continually, there's people that really, really like uh, watching stuff that's like sad and depressing, which I've never understood that. But there's people that truly do uh, enjoy like melancholy stuff and depressing stuff and depressing documentaries. And it's like, I don't care for that. I don't want stuff in my house that brings depression and heaviness. Do you know, I've watched, there was a time I was in the middle of watching a show. And, um, while I was watching the show, I started to realize there's like, there, there's, there's a, there's a heaviness on this show. I actually started feeling that. And I'm one of those guys that like, I like to see something to the end because I like storyline and I don't want to miss, well, what's the end of the story? I want to, I want another story in this, in this case, I'd been watching this show, uh, for a few seasons and I, and I started to feel this. There's a heaviness attached to this show. And that sounds crazy to people that don't understand the things of the spirit. Cause they're like, well, that's just a show. It's not even real. Yeah. But it doesn't mean the things that it's putting into your spirit aren't real. I mean, you know, if you think that that stuff's not, it doesn't matter because all it's fiction, it doesn't real. Then how is it that a fictional story can so affect people's emotions that they're weeping in a theater? If if it's not, well, it's just fiction, that's not real. Then how is it that someone can see a, a movie that so scares them that it puts them into a place of fear even when they're in their house? And that happens. So don't say, well, it's fictional because fictional things can have a real, um, effect on your emotions, on your spirit and on your life. And I wa- I was watching and it wasn't even a bad show. It was just like one of those like medical shows, you know, like where you're there in like a hospital. And I was like, man, I feel a heaviness on this show. And I'd go, I'd be watching it and, and I'd feel heavy in my spirit. And I was like, I'm not watching this anymore. There's a heaviness on this. There's a heaviness on this. And it was like, every time you watch it, you'd feel that thing lay on you. And I was like, I'm not living in, in heaviness just to watch some stupid show. Guard your heart because I can't afford to have a lack of peace and a lack of joy in my life. Those are the two, two of the three pillars upon which the kingdom is built. And so I'm not doing that. Guard your heart. Guard your, that's number one. And I, I'm hammering it. I, I'm going to go through these a little quicker, but. I, I'm hammering this first one because it's, it's the foundation. Guard your heart for from it flow the issues of life. I, be discerning about what's coming into your life. You don't need, listen, you don't need every friend. If you've got a friend that's always, I mean, 
there's always a problem. You need to reevaluate that. You need to reevaluate that. And it's important because it will affect your life. It will affect your future. And so you got to be careful. Be very careful. Um, Bethany said, do you think some things like that are different for different people? Individual predispositions, triggers, maybe. There's stuff that would depress some people. It's not, not going to depress me. But yes, I think based upon uh, things that have gone on in your life, you might have different triggers or different things that upset you. You know, there's Pastor David Rensel. Love you. And so I want to start with that. Guard your heart. From it flow the issues of life. So the first thing that'll bring instant change is when you start to curate what goes into your spirit, curate what goes into your mind, curate what goes into your heart. I love to read and I'll read, I read tons of nonfiction books, but I also like to read fictional books. And I picked, somebody had bought me one and I picked it up and I was reading and I thought to myself, man, there's like, this is, this book is not good. <laughs> like it's not, not that it wasn't a good story. It was like, it, it, it was dark. Somebody bought it. They're like, I think you'd really like this. And I started reading. I was like, it's, it's a dark story. And I just, I read maybe like the first few chapters. And I was like, ah, this, this ain't for me. Not that it wasn't a good storyline. Not that it wasn't a good book. And it was interesting. And it had a good, but it was like, man, when I felt what was in it, dark. I was like, I, I ain't reading that. I, my, my time's limited anyway. My purpose is more important than my entertainment. And so I put it, I put it away. I was like, I, I ain't reading that. I ain't reading that. And so you have to go, you have to be discerning. You got to guard your heart. Very, very important. Number two, go to Proverbs chapter one. I'm going to read you Proverbs one and verse seven. Listen to this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction or discipline or correction. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools hate correction. They hate it. They don't want to be corrected on anything. They don't want to be talked about to, to about anything. They don't want to be, they don't want that. Which means wise people love wisdom and instruction. If you're wise, you will love wisdom and instruction. No question about that. If you are wise, you will love wisdom and instruction. What do I mean by that? I'm constantly, I mean, this is what wise people do. I constantly seek out correction, wisdom, and instruction. I had a man of God call me this week and um, has shaken the world. And I, I, he, he was just talking to me about um, ministry and stuff. I said, well, listen. If you have anything uh, of any kind of instruction or correction, whatever, I'm, I'm happy to hear it. I'd love to hear it. And he told me a couple of things. I said, yeah, you're exactly right. I'll, I'll put that into practice. I'll put that into practice. Why? Because see, a person who's wise, the Bible teaches, loves instruction, loves correction. Why is that? Did you ever ask yourself, why is that? It's because they understand what fools don't understand. That correction is just direction. Correction is just direction. You know how stupid we would look if we didn't know how to get somewhere, so we put it into our phone's GPS, Apple or, or, or Google, and it's, and it's sitting there telling us directions, and we're driving the car, 
and it tells us in 500 feet, make a right, you start yelling at it. Who do you think you are telling me where to go? This is my car. I know what I'm doing. I don't need you, Siri, to tell me where to go. What to... We'd look like an idiot. It's telling us the quickest way to get where we want to go. That's what instruction and correction is. It's just direction. It's just direction. God doesn't want you to take forever to get to your purpose. He wants to get you there as quickly as possible. That's right. To be the very best that we can be in the kingdom of God. The very best we can be. And so the Bible says fools despise wisdom and correction or instruction. I don't want to be the person that ever despises instruction or correction. I want to keep seeking it out. What is it? Again, it's this issue of pride and arrogance. I don't know. I don't need them to correct me. I don't need them to. No, absolutely not. I refuse. Um, I refuse to allow myself to be destroyed by the fact that I've got a lack of wisdom that's coming from pride or arrogance that's causing me to miss out on what God has for me. That's what's going on with people. And the devil's so slick. He knows that. He knows that if we will, and, and it's so, this is like crazy because it, it's so, it's such a slippery slope. You can slide right off. You don't even realize uh, that you're getting into pride. You don't even realize sometimes that you're getting into, uh, you know, arrogance. It's so little by little. And then all of a sudden you can't take instruction from anybody. All of a sudden you can't be talked to by anybody. You know, you can see when like, you can see when success goes to people's heads and they've done a few things and they think, uh, you know, well, who's going to tell me now what to do? I I know what I'm doing. Problems, man. That's a problem. And so uh, what ends up happening is they stop listening to wisdom and instruction. Don't ever get to that place. You know, I, I thank God for my uh, pastor, Bishop Rick Thomas, because he's still in a place where, uh, you know, and I won't say his age, but, you know, he's above, it, rhyme, it rhymes with 71. And it, um, you know, powerful that he could have his mentor call him on the phone today. John Avanzini, Dr. John Avanzini could call him and does call him and, and, and says, you know, get this. I want to give you some more. He said, and he said this from the pulpit. He said, listen, he could call me and tell me you're, you're off on this or stop preaching this. He said, I'd stop preaching it because he submitted to that instruction that what, what an example, what an example that is of humility and a hunger, uh, for greater, because when you're willing to receive instruction and correction, it makes you wise. That's so wise. That's so wise. What an example that is for those of us that are coming up to never get to a place where you're unteachable, never get to a place where you cannot be corrected. You know why? Because I'll tell you what's going to happen if you get there. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So the moment you start shutting out correction and instruction, get ready to fall, get ready to be destroyed because that's what it leads to. That's exactly what it leads to. And so that's the second one. Number three, go to Proverbs 29, Proverbs chapter 29. 
The third thing that'll instantly begin to change your life. Number one, guard your heart. Number two, fear God and seek correction. Number three, Proverbs 29, 18. And I love the way that this is stated in the ESV. Proverbs 29, 18, the Bible says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. So let me break this down. Third, the third proverb that'll change your life forever. Where there's no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. One translation says the people perish, but it's more than that. It's they cast off restraint. Yesterday when I was teaching, one of the things that I uh, told you is that uh, your purpose provides parameters. Your purpose provides parameters. That's such an important thing to know and to understand. Your purpose provides parameters. And so when there's no vision, I dealt with this a little bit yesterday, if you go back and watch, where there's no vision, if you don't know what you're doing or what your call is or what your purpose is, then you'll begin to do anything. And if you're doing anything, then you're not doing what you should be doing. I've used this before. I met an NFL player when I was in Buffalo uh, who got drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he was talking to me about it. He said, you know, um, I'm getting ready to go in for training camp. It was like August. It was the beginning of August. And I, I had a question for him. And I said, man, I, I know what position you've been drafted for. I said, do they, uh, are they strict about like what you weigh and stuff? He's like, man, you don't even know. He was like, the way it works, when you go back, he said, they have a dietitian that is assigned to you. They have a specific uh, workout regimen and a trainer assigned to you. And he said, they go by your age, your height, and the position they've assigned you to. Your age, your height, and the position they've assigned you. He said, and based on your age and your height and that position, they know exactly how heavy they want you to be. They know exactly. It's like a machine. They know exactly how heavy they want you to be. He said, if I were to come back to training camp and I'm, he said, there's a little bit of a gray space, like of two pounds on either side of that weight. He said, but if I came beyond that, He said, you get fined thousands of dollars for every pound you are over that weight or under that weight. You know why that is? Because they've determined this is the perfect place for his purpose on the team. You're not going to be the same weight if you're a right guard as you are if you're a running back. You're not going to go see a 500 pound running back and you better not see a 175 pound right guard. It's not going to work. doesn't work with your purpose on the team. And so purpose provides parameters, which is what this is talking about. If there's no vision for what you're doing, people cast off restraint. What does it mean to cast off restraint? Well, if that man that I met stopped caring about his purpose, if he stopped caring about what he was called to do on the team, he would just go eat whatever he wants to eat. You know, he could eat pizzas every day, you know, gain 60 pounds. He, he doesn't care. He's cast off. He's no longer restraining himself and constraining himself for his purpose. Think about that. He's no longer constraining or restraining himself for his purpose. He's cast off restraint. Now he's just doing whatever he feels like doing because he's not 
uh, attending to his purpose. And that's what the Bible's saying here. Unless there's prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. They do whatever they want. Where they do whatever they want. It's a mistake. Don't ever let yourself get to the place where number one, you don't know what you're supposed to be doing in life. You don't know your call. You don't know your purpose. And then number two, once you know it, don't ever get to the place where you've got a lack of vision that keeps you from restraining yourself to your purpose. Don't ever get to that place. It's a very dangerous thing when you see yourself come to a, a, a stand in life where it's like, man, you know, I remember 15 years ago, I kind of knew where I was headed. I remember 10 years ago, I really had a clear picture of what I was supposed to be doing, but it feels so foggy. I've kind of lost my way. Don't get prayer and fasting will keep you in a place where you hear from God and you know what you're called to do. And that's, that is, let me tell you something. That is the best place you could possibly be in life, knowing what God's called you to do. Why? It puts restraints on you. It allows you to focus on that purpose. You're streamlining your life. You know, um, I've, you've probably heard me say this. I, everybody that I've ever spoken to that has been a powerful minister, powerful leader, shaken their state, their nation, you know, whatever with their ministry. I always ask them the same question. I always say, you know, if you could go back and tell the 30 year old version of yourself, uh, one thing, what would it be? And without them even knowing each other, without them even, con you know, they, they didn't confer. These were all at different times and in different countries, different places. You know, that like 90 some percent of them gave me the same answer. You know what the answer was? I'd go back and tell myself to seek the face of God and find out exactly what he wants me to do and then do only that thing for the rest of my life or until he changes what he wants me to do. That was their, that was like 98% of their answers. Seek God's face. And I'm talking about people that have shaken nations told me this. Seek God's face and only do what he tells me to do. Well, that lines up with the word, doesn't it? Psalm 127 and verse one, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. You see? And so we understand this, that vision is so vital and not, not coming up with our own vision, but receiving the vision that God has for our lives to do what he's called us to do. And when you attack that, you, and, and notice this by having vision, it puts restraints on you. Watch how this works because I know I'm supposed to do this. I'm not going over and doing this because I know I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm not coming out of the left side and doing this. It's like I read to you yesterday with Nehemiah, Sambalat and uh, Tobiah. Come down off the wall. Let's meet together. No. No, because I know this wall is my purpose. Why should I come down and get off my purpose to go over there and talk to you arbitrarily? Stupid. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And so by knowing your purpose, by knowing and having a vision, it keeps you from wasting life and wasting time and wasting energy and wasting resources on stuff you're not even supposed to be doing. It puts restraint on you. That's prophetic vision number three. Number four, go to Proverbs 17. This is going to help you immensely. This is the fourth proverb that cannot be ignored. Proverbs 17 and verse 22. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed 
spirit dries up the bones. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit, a crushed spirit, dries up the bones. And so what is this proverb encouraging us to understand is that the joy of the Lord is like medicine to your body. It is strength to your body. As joy comes upon you, strength comes upon you and you cannot attack your purpose. You cannot do what you're called to do if you'll not maintain that steady flow of joy. I'm just telling you, you cannot do what you're called to do if you don't maintain a steady flow of the joy of the Lord. It's a merry heart is like a medicine to your body. Hmm. It blows my mind. By the way, if you're just logging on, please take a minute to share the broadcast today. It blows my mind that there are doctors that are now just telling people, you know, you need to, you, you seem like you're very stressed. You have elevated blood pressure. You got all these things. You need to find something, you know, in, in life that you enjoy doing. You need to find something, a hobby, something that takes your mind off work, something that takes your mind off this stress. And you need to just do something that gives you joy, you know, and literally that's now becoming medical advice because they're recognizing something called stress related illnesses. We now have stress related illnesses. So now doctors are literally encouraging people to do things that bring them joy. <laughs> doctors are giving medical advice that is literally thousands of years old found in the Bible. Tyra said, one time I started to get the flu and flu-like symptoms. So I just laughed for about 10 to 15 minutes. And by morning I was fine. <laughs> oh yeah. It's literally medicine. You know, what's crazy. If you do the study on it, you do it for yourself. Just understanding what laughter, joy does, you know, we, we now know, thanks to all the technology that's available to us, that it releases even chemicals into your body. It even releases chemicals into your body. Different states of mind release different chemicals into your body that make your body react differently, do different things give you energy, take your energy. It's not a surprise that people who are depressed, many, many, many of them lack energy. They're tired. They want to sleep. I mean, I'm not just raise your hands in the comments. If you know, this is true. This is like a common thing. People that battle depression, lack of energy, want to sleep all, you know, want to, want to just shut I'm, I'm going to lay down. I'm just going to just chill by myself. I don't want to go out. I don't want to it saps you of your energy, saps you of your strength. It brings a weakness to you. But it's, no, it's also no surprise that people that are full of joy are full of strength. That's a biblical principle. But we're now finding out that even these chemical reactions in the body are different. Even those are different. You know, it, it's, it's amazing. You know, it's, it's truly amazing. People don't even know, you know, I think about God's ways and I think about how we're still discovering. We're still discovering um, how God's ways are so literal in many cases. And uh, 
you know, God looks for diligent, active people. He's looking for people of the light. And I know that's talking about the light of God and the light of his word. But think about this. If you really study it, study the actual science of this. Did you know when you go outside and you begin to get sunshine, your body's filling with vitamin D, you start to exercise, your cortisol levels go up, all these different things. It blows my mind that if we just do basic things, that the way God, the way God designed our bodies and then the things he says in his word, that there are people who like darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. It's like light, everything good for you comes in the light. Everything that's not good is happening in the dark. It's, it's mind blowing. You start to see these things even affecting a person. You know, it's a bad thing for people when they can't get in the light. I mean, we know that now just from the medical community. It's about that you need to get outside and get sunlight on your skin. They say if you'd spend 30 minutes a day in, in sunlight with about 60 to 70% of your body exposed, it's very good for you. It's very good for you. You know, vitamin D levels go through the roof. I mean, all kinds of things happen. Your mood literally changes. All these different things. Blows my mind, the wisdom of God for his people. And one that we're seeing here, a joyful heart is like medicine to your body. Broken spirit dries up the bones, dries up the bones. And so I want you to think about this for a minute. If that's the case, why would you allow anything in your life, anything in your life that would affect in a negative way, this joy? Why would you allow it when you recognize it is the fuel for your purpose? I want you to all write it in the comments today. Joy is the fuel for my purpose. And without question, it is. Joy is the fuel for my purpose. Joy is the fuel for my purpose. Put it in the comments because it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Joy is the fuel for my purpose. Let me go on to number five as you're doing that. Put it in the comments. Joy is the fuel for my purpose. After you write that, jump over to Proverbs 3. Hallelujah. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. These have to jump out at your spirit. Have to jump out at your spirit. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So this proverb is letting us know that if we'll put God first in our, even in our financial lives, put him first, then everything else that you do have, if you've put him first, will begin to burst forth with increase and overflow and abundance. You guys have heard, I'm sure, the uh, kind of the rule that Carolyn and I have made for our lives. And we've lived by it and we still live by it and we'll continue to live by it. And that rule is this, that we put God first, not just that does he get his tithe first and not, not that we just put him first with offerings, but we even put him first in priority, meaning this, we don't, 
We don't do things for ourselves that we haven't done for God. Because what ends up happening is, is that you start to start. It really is you saying, God, my life's more important than your kingdom. It's what it is. My life is more important than your kingdom. And so we made up our minds. We're not going to put uh, our lives, our vacations, our clothes, our stuff above God. Not doing that. We're not doing that. Absolutely not. The largest amount of money that goes out for any one thing is going to go out for the kingdom every month. And to this day, it's true. To this day, it's true. The largest amount of money that's going to go out every month is going to go out for the kingdom of God. My mortgage is not more than my offerings and tithe. My car payment is not more than my offerings and tithe. My vacations will never be more than my offerings or tithe. Nothing that I'll buy for myself will ever be more than my offerings or tithe. Why? Because I'm not first. God's first. I'm not first. I'm not first. It's funny, isn't it? I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm going off this principle here. Honor the Lord with your wealth. How do you honor the Lord with your wealth? You make sure he's first. You make sure he's first. What does it say here? With the first fruits of your produce, then your barns will be filled. Honor him and then he honors you. So I, I made up my mind, I'm going to honor him in everything that I have and do. You know, that's what people say. Do you tithe? First of all, it's funny to me that people even, um, you know, think it's a big deal to tithe. It's not. It's a very baseline, basic thing. Nobody should ever brag that they're a tither. Nobody, it's, it's, it's basic. Every Christian should do it. If you don't do it, you know, don't tell me you're sold out to God and you won't even tithe. I'm sold out, brother. He's my, you're not sold out. Ridiculous. The baseline tithe. It's not even something to brag about. About beyond that, you should be a giver and you've not even given anything until you've given your 10%. You've not given one offering, not one. Well, I gave, I gave an offering. You didn't give anything. If you haven't tithe offerings, don't start until God gets his tithe. And so understand this. Now, if I'm putting him first, then I make up in my mind, I'll never, I'm never going to go and <laughs> I mean, I've said this often and I'm going to keep saying it because until it's into people's spirits to the next level, I'm not going to go buy myself a pair of shoes and pay an amount of money, $300 for some name brand sneakers or, you know, whatever it might be. There's ladies out there. You like these really expensive high heels, the red bottoms. You like to have the, the nice stuff. And, and, you know, you might be 600, 700, $800 for a pair of heels. But can you imagine doing that and having those in your closet, but never having one time in your life given God $800 in an offering? You haven't given God $600 in an offering. You out by yourself and you got, I know guys that have, their closets are filled with shoes. They're sneaker collectors or whatever that might be. They've never put $500 in an offering plate, but they'll easily drop 500 on a new pair that's dropping. Oh yeah. I'm not allowing that to happen. I put him first and he puts me first. Do you know, because we've done that, we have people that just come give us stuff, stuff that we normally would have had to pay for. They give it to us. They give it to us. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's just supernatural that the things that we would have gone and purchased for ourselves, we put God first. So they just give it to us. (laughs) 
I mean, I think about the fact that I served the Lord and go where he told me to go to the point where when I went to buy the house that was the house we wanted and the house we loved and the house we needed, the owner took $100,000 off the house <laughs> and then gave me $15,000 more on top of the hundred. You think about the fact that when you just do what God tells you, go where he tells you, obey his voice, put him first. All these other things are added unto you. Honor him with the first fruits of what's yours. The first, not the last, the first. He gets the first. He gets the best. Amen. I'm not throwing God my leftovers. That's craziness. And I'm telling you, if you'll live this God-centered kind of lifestyle, he blesses you. You're, you're, you'll, you'll overflow. What does the Bible say? Your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be burst, bursting with wine. Bursting with wine. And I don't, I don't expect to live that way because I put him first. And that has to jump out in your spirit. God doesn't want you to always have your hand out turned upward because you need something. He wants to have you with your hand out turned downward because you're sowing things and blessing your generation, blessing those that are around you, blessing the poor, taking care of those in need. Amen. How does it come? By honoring God with the first fruits of what you have. Number six, uh, Proverbs chapter 13. Go over there with me. These are, these are seven that have to be active in your life. They have to, they have to. Don't let these slip by you. Don't even let one of them slip by. Well, I liked all the stuff he talked about until he got to that thing on the wealth and the blessing God with her. I don't know about that, you know, because, you know, I think that's just that prosperity God. You need to get it in your spirit. Proverbs 13. Let's hit this one. Verse 20. Oh, this is going to step on toes. Get ready for it. Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise but the companion of fools will suffer harm <laughs> the companion of fools will suffer harm whoever walks with the wise becomes wise <laughs> i want you to put this in the comments today i must curate my relationships. Comments. I must curate my relationships. I'm not hanging with fools. Let me tell you, you'd be surprised how many fools I've cut out of my life. You'd be surprised how many fools I've cut out of my life. A lot. A lot. And I'm going to tell you something. You need to do the same. <laughs> It'll help you. Do you know the drama that leaves when you cut fools out? It's amazing. It's amazing. You cut fools out of your life. Drama's gone. <laughs> Situations that cause anxiety are gone. All that, that feeling of, uh, you know, all the time. That's gone. Because wise people don't live that way. Wise people don't live that way. No more drama. Curate your relationships. I refuse to be a companion of fools. Not doing it. I am not doing it. And I believe that. Leslie said, and this has been a common th thread for probably about 30 years. You are the sum of your five closest friends. 
And that's pretty much accurate. You become who you allow yourself to be around. I have friends that are in business that are my age or younger. You know what they do? They go have breakfast every week with uh, guys that are multi, 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 multi millionaires. And they just sit there and have breakfast just to hear them talk. They want to hear what they talk about. They want to hear what they're, what they're into. They want to hear what they're doing. They just sit there and listen to them talk. Why? Because the Bible says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. But the, compa- the companion of fools will suffer harm. I'm not going to allow myself to be surrounded by fools. Listen. Don said, if I do that, I'll have no friends hardly. It's better to be alone or have foolish friends who know you, loved you, love you, and accept you. Better to be alone, in my opinion. But see, God will bring people into your life. God will bring people into your life. God will put the right people in your life. And the enemy always sends the wrong people. Yeah. I know it, Susan. So you got, you got to get this because it will, trust me, it will cause you harm or it will cause you help. I mean, I use this example all the time, but what about the man on the mat who was, a, was paralyzed? His friends were the right friends and they brought him to Jesus. They had faith like he had faith. They had faith like he had faith. And what happened? Even though he couldn't move, they brought him to Jesus. Even when the house was full, they lifted him up on the roof and tore open the roof and lowered him down in front of Jesus. It's a good thing he had the right friends because the right friends brought him into a place of wise actions, coming into the anointing, seeking after God's power. And what was the result? He got healed. He got healed. Not hanging around with numbskulls that refuse to listen to the word of God. I know people, they've heard the gospel. Some of them grew up in church. They don't live like it's true at all. Bye, love you, but I got no time for you. No time for you. They've never aligned their life with the word of God. Never. And so you know what the Bible teaches? They're actually living like there is no God. And the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You know how, you know how you know what someone says in their heart by what they do with their life. I'm going to break that down again. You know how you can tell what someone says in their heart or believes in their heart. It's what they do with their life. It's what they do with their life. So I don't care if people have gone to church when they were a kid and been in every VBS and all that stuff. If you live your life as though God doesn't exist, it shows you don't believe he exists, which shows you're a fool. And I got no time for fools. If I want to go higher, I can't be with people that are always wanting to go lower or maintain or just be an anchor. You can't do that. You love people, you pray for people, but your purpose is too important. You know, every time I teach like this, I know there's people that think like, man, that's too harsh. That's not walking in love, brother Ted. It's like, listen to me. What's greater? Continuing to wallow in the mess that is those old friendships or breaking free and actually being able to accomplish the purpose that God's put on your life. And it's the latter. It's the latter, not the former. 
it's mind-blowing to me that people just out of tradition will just keep their old friends, never go any higher, never do any more. They're comfortable to just stay. And it's like, dude, get a clue. God has a plan for your life. They don't want to go. So stop messing with them. Move on and go do what God's called you to do. And God will put new people in your life. So yeah, but what about my old friends? Let them figure that out. They're the ones that don't want to go anywhere. They're the ones that don't want to advance in life. They're the ones that want to just stay back and just coast through life. I don't have any interest in that. I've got no interest in that. You got to cut people loose. That's right, Tyra. It's not my job to drag you through life, drag you from place to place, cut them loose. It's dead weight and they don't want help. If they did, they'd pursue it and they'd change. They don't want it. Cut them loose. Cut them loose. And and you think that's wrong. It's not wrong. It's not wrong. If you're going to follow Christ, he's got to be first. What about when the disciples said, well, I'll follow you, but let me first go back and bury. He said, let the dead bury their dead. Move on. Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside. Who are my mother and my brothers? Read it for yourself. It's the ones that do my will and do my word. Let me give you the final one, Proverbs 6. This ought to be in your life. If it's not, it needs to be. Proverbs 6, this is number 7. That's right. You dust off your feet. Dust off your feet. I'm not called to drag a whole group of people behind me through the mud against their will because I want to follow the Lord's purpose and they don't. It's like, how foolish is that? But let me give you number seven. Proverbs 6, and uh, we'll read 6 through 11. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11, the Bible says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, and consider her ways and be wise. Verse 7, without having any chief or officer or ruler, verse 8, she prepares her bread in summer, gathers her food in the harvest. Verse 9, how long will you lie there, sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? Verse 10, a little sleep and a little slumber and a little folding of the hands to rest, verse 11, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. One of the things that's been literally, that's probably number 27 of the broadcast, ticking me off is you got a whole generation of people that would rather stay home and collect unemployment and stimulus checks than to go back to work. Lazy bums. Lazy bums. They've got no purpose in their lives. They've got no drive. None of that. I'm just going to live off the government. Good luck living off the government. I watched people that were well able to work and spent the whole, like most of the lockdown collecting unemployment checks. That's one thing if you're like, obviously couldn't get work and you're taking advantage of a a true benefit. It's another thing if you could, there are jobs available and you could do things and you just refuse to work. Because you'd rather not work. I've had business owners tell me, we can't hardly get people to work for us because 
uh, there's people that like, they would rather, and there's jobs available, and we, they would rather just collect an unemployment check. Consider the ant. You know, I made up my mind, Carol and I made up our mind on this a long time ago. I'll never have people as a part of this ministry that have to always, like you always have to stand over them and like tell them what to do next and all that. Self-motivators, people that are get after it kind of people that can make things happen. People that can actually get things done. You know why? It's a biblical principle. Look at, look at verse seven. The ants have no chief, they have no officer, and they have no ruler, but they're still working their butts off. Nobody's standing over them. Did you get those reports done? Is it on my desk yet? I need it by the end of the week. Do you have that finished? Is there anybody doing this? Nobody has to do that with them. They're just motivated to do it. And they work and they get it done. That's what you need. That's the attitude the Bible is telling you that you need. If you work on a job, you shouldn't always have to have a boss reminding you 19 times a day to get it done and remind you to show up on time and remind you don't leave before five. You should, you should be the most excellent and efficient worker in the whole office because you're a child of God. You should be the first one they think about when they think about promotions. You should be the one that when they have private meetings in the back room say, man, I hope we never lose this guy. He's the best worker we've got. That's exactly how you should be. It's exactly how you should be. Because look at this, laziness, this final one, the difference between diligence and laziness. God hates laziness. Did you know this? And put it in the comments. God equates laziness with wickedness. God equates laziness with wickedness. How do I know? The Bible tells us in the parable of the talents, Matthew 25. The Bible says that when the master came back to examine his three servants, the one who had 10 or five produced 10, the one who had two produced four, and the one who had one buried it in the ground, buried it. And you know what happened? The master said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you wicked and lazy servant. The master equates laziness with wickedness. God expects us to progress, to go higher, to be diligent, to be faithful. That's who he's looking for. People that will do the work. People that will do the work. Always cracks me up when people, you know, you got people in the world that are willing to hustle. And I don't mean the word hustle in the way that it's like we're hustling somebody, like it's, a, like it's a scam. I'm talking about like they talk in sports. Hustle, move, get work done. Anybody that I've ever heard slam that, that thought process isn't doing anything. They're not doing anything. If you slam diligence as a leader, you're a fool. You're an absolute fool and the kind of people you'll produce will be foolish, lazy bums. Foolish, lazy, sloppy bums. And anybody that I've ever seen that, that talks about talks like that, about that stuff, that's who they've got. Foolish, lazy, sloppy bums. And I refuse to be that person. We work in this ministry. We work. We don't work nine to five at Miracle Word. 
We got people that are so hungry to work, they'll work 70 hours a week and not because I ask them to, because they've got the vision in their heart and they don't want to see things left undone. And I commend the crap out of them because that shows that they're godly people that have a heart and a vision to see the purpose of God be completed. He's like, oh, no, I don't know about that hustle, about that diligence, you know, let God do the work. No, God's not doing the work. He wants you to do the work. He's called diligent people, faithful people. Blows my mind. Blows my mind. People sitting around sloppy, wrinkled, and lazy. I don't know what to do next. I wish somebody would give me a job. Find out what needs to be done and then just go do it. Unbelievable. Don't be a lazy or inefficient worker in the kingdom. Go after it. Go after it. These seven things, got, they've got to jump out at you. I'm going to do a quick overview before we finish this. Guard your heart. Seek out correction, number two. Operate by prophetic vision. Know what you're called to do in life and do it. Maintain a joyful heart. That's number four. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of everything you have and watch as he causes you to overflow. Don't walk with fools. Walk with the wise and be a diligent, faithful person. Let me break those down one more time just to show you how they function in your specific purpose. Guard your heart so that everything that's coming out of you aligns with God's desire and his purpose for your life. It's never from the enemy. It's never depression, anxiety, fear, hate, anger, whatever. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Seek out correction so that you're always on course, so that you're never wandering off doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. That correction keeps you, it snaps you into your purpose and gives you a direction to get where you're going much faster. Keep that prophetic vision in front of you. Write the vision down. Make it plain upon tablets that they may run that read it. You ought to be able to write your vision down. You ought to be able to describe it to somebody in an elevator ride. You ought to be able to write it on the back of somebody's business card. Maintain joy. I can't say this one enough. Maintain joy. Nothing takes people out of their purpose quicker than discouragement, depression, and anxiety, and fear. Nothing. Maintain overwhelming joy. Be very careful, number five, with what you do with your wealth. Make sure God's at the forefront of your wealth. Make sure God's at the forefront of what you're doing with your finances. The reason many people aren't blessed is they don't put God first. Number six, do... Curate your relationships. Keep your company tight. Don't walk with fools. Walk with those who are wise because you'll become wise. You'll become wise. You'll become productive. You can learn just by impartation of wisdom from others that are wise things you should be doing that it would take you all the time it took them to learn it. And you could learn it by just being humble and being quiet during a conversation. And finally, be diligent to put those things to work. Be a faithful person and watch what God will do. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for every member today of the Victory Tribe. I pray that you would give us such a desire to fulfill our purpose and to please you with our lives that anything that would present itself to us that's contrary to our purpose, contrary to things that please you, 
that we would instantly remove it from our lives and turn the other way. Give us the boldness. If we have to literally walk away or end relationships, we're willing to do it. We're willing to do it. Don't let us ever become romantic about how we do things. If it's not working, let us have the boldness to just change it immediately. Not have so much pride. Well, I got to stick with it because that's how I've been. No, Lord, give us the boldness. Give us the boldness to do it. And Lord, I pray that you would always keep us in your perfect plan. Let our ears clearly hear your voice in Jesus name. And as we do, we thank you that a never ending increase is overtaking us in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your purpose. We thank you for your power that's on our lives in Jesus mighty name. If you receive it, throw some fire in the comments section and give God some praise. This is going to be the best second half of a year you've ever had in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Best you've ever had on this breakthrough Friday. Let me tell you two things. I'm going to give you two things because I don't often, often tell you uh, projects because I like, I like to focus on the fact that God wants to bless you and he does. He has a harvest, but I'm going to, I'm going to share two projects with you that we're doing. Number one, we're going to be getting new uh, equipment, adding on to the equipment we have for television. We've got some new pieces that we're going to order, new cameras, different things like that. And we're going to expand the television ministry to touch close to 40 million more souls every single week. We're adding 40 million souls onto the end of this television broadcast every week. And so I want to encourage you today to sow a seed by faith, a significant seed. Some of you, God's going to speak to you to sow a thousand or more, some 5,000 or more. There's some that the Lord's been speaking to, to sow 10,000. We just had somebody come in and say, the Lord told me to sow 15,000. I want you to do what the Lord's telling you to do today. We're making up our minds. We're not going to be quiet. We're not laying back. We're not slacking off. We're going after the lost. We are seeing people saved around the world every single week. I've told you, it buzzes on my phone. I get all the updates. And so I'm going to give you a target for your seed. I'm going to give you a target for your seed. We're believing God and we're getting ready to do it. We're just going to go and do it. We're making it happen. I've already made the plans. I've told the, I've told them to put, may put the contracts together. We're already doing it. So we're expanding 40 million more souls. Every, we're going to cover every Island of the Caribbean with the gospel of Jesus Christ, every Island. I'm already on in the entire Island of Jamaica, but now we're expanding to Trinidad, Tobago, every Island. We're going to preach the gospel, Barbados, all of them, all of them. 40 million people. Did you know that there are more people living in the islands of the Caribbean than live in all of Canada? And we're going to touch them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to see salvations. We're going to see people delivered by the power of God. And we're going to add to the studio because there's just more that we're going to do. We're adding on more stuff. And let me tell you, we're going to announce some new things in this upcoming magazine that's coming uh, for the summer edition, Miracle Word magazine. We've got several brand new announcements that we're going to launch. We're going to, we're making plans right now, touching more people than we ever have. And I thank you for being a part of this because the victory tribe, we're one family. And so here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you the ways that you can sow seed today. And um, if you'd like to give, if you'd like to sow towards this, believing God that not only will you be blessed, but your seed is putting the gospel into the hearts of people around the world. On miracleword.com, you can partner with us. 
Now, I do want to encourage you to stand with us in partnership. Stand with us in partnership on a monthly basis. You can go and set up your own account, set up how much you'd like to sow monthly. You can choose the date whenever you'd like to do it. And when you set up your account, you can modify it. If you ever want to increase your seed, if you ever want to change the date, you can do all that right on the website. MiracleWord.com. You can sow your seed there. When you go to it and click the give page, you'll see all the ways that you can give. You can do it by uh, PayPal. You can do it by Cash App. You can do it by Venmo. You can do it by Zelle Transfer. Uh, If you're on Facebook or Twitter, you can use hashtag donate. But I'm going to pray in just a moment and God's going to speak to you because we're not waiting. We're going to step out quickly. You know, that's one thing I heard uh, Dag Hayward Mills say. He said, whenever the Lord tells you to do something, step out and quickly do it. Don't confer, don't debate, don't sit around and wonder. Do it, just do it. And God will bless you for doing it. He, he, you, have, you have to remember this. God has an agenda that he wants carried out on the earth. He has an agenda and he wants it done. And we're his servants. So we do what he asks us to do. So let's pray. Father, speak to every person watching and listening right now whether they're on the podcast or the broadcast, give them an instruction from heaven. What is it that they can do by faith? What is it that they can do to see the gospel preached and that they'll be blessed for sending it? Give them their instruction today and let us be faithful to obey it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, do whatever he's asking you to do. Sow that seed uh, by faith and watch what the Lord will do. Here's what we're doing in June. To be a blessing to you, I'm gonna send you this book. If you're sowing $85 or more in partnership uh, in the month of uh, June, we're sending you Biblical Keys to Financial Prosperity by Brother Kenneth Hagin. And it's a phenomenal book on this subject. You've got to get it. If you'd like to receive it, you go to miracleword.com forward slash offer and you can fill out the form so we know where to send the book. Um, And you'll be blessed. Those of you that are sowing at $1,000 or more, I'll tell you what I'm going to do for you. We're going to include that book plus uh, a genuine leather life application study Bible. And for those of you that are sowing $5,000 or more, we're sending you the elite study collection, five of the absolute best study resources that you can have as a believer. Take you deep into your study of God's word. You'll be blessed. We put those things together, man. They look slick. I'm going to show them to you next week. I'll show you pictures of what they look like. I love them. So excited about them. And uh, I want to say thank you ahead of time to everybody that's sewing. Gina, last night, uh, the evangelist that, that uh, was exhorting, that's evangelist T.J. Malkenji. Do I pronounce that right? Yeah. I say it right, don't I? Yeah. Thank God. He's in the studio today, and uh, he was exhorting last night. He'll be back at this church on the 23rd. Is that what they said? 23rd of June? 23rd of June. 23rd of June. It's a Wednesday. He'll be back here at Peckville Assembly of God. Uh, what's your website, TJ? Salvationnow.ca. Salvation if you want to find out more about evangelist TJ and his wife, uh, Carrie, you can find out more. I'll put it in the comments so that everybody has uh, salvationnow.ca. Bam. Uh, that's the website. If you'd like to check him out, I had him. Uh, yes, yes, he does. He's got a great spirit. He's a great, great man of God. We love him. We love his whole family. He'll be back with us again tonight. We're going to have people coming in from out of state. We've got people here from Massachusetts. We've got people here from New York. We've got people here from other parts of Pennsylvania. Uh, It's amazing. People are hungry. They're driving in. 
Tonight's gonna be a powerful service, anointing and impartation service. I'm gonna be baptizing people. We're gonna preach the word, it's gonna be powerful. Don't miss it, bring people with you tonight, seven o'clock, last night here at Peckville Assembly of God. And uh, I'm just telling you, it's gonna be awesome. If you can't make it by any means, we're gonna be streaming it, seven Eastern time, Facebook and YouTube. Uh, don't miss tonight. And then starting Sunday, we're in, in Dallas, Texas area, Church in the City, Rowlett, Texas. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be absolutely awesome. I love you, have a phenomenal weekend, and be blessed, I'll see you tonight, and I'll talk to you again soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.